You've arrived at the Talent Destination, a podcast dedicated to the art of building a company your team will love. If you hang around and listen, you'll experience what it's like to work at Refine Labs and learn effective strategies to create the conditions for people to do the best work of their lives. Now to this episode. Hey everyone, you've arrived at the Talent Destination, a podcast dedicated to the art of building a company your team will love. I am your co-host, Megan Bowen, Chief Operating Officer at Refine Labs, and I am joined today by my fearless co-host. Hello, hello. This is Jessica Williams. I am the Vice President of People for Refine Labs, and I am so excited for this conversation today. I know that Megan and I have gotten a lot of feedback from our community about this podcast, and that's something we're going to dive into deeper today. And before we get into it and I introduce our other special guest, I just want to make a special call out. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, September 7th. Today is Jessica's one-year anniversary at Refine Labs. (laughs) It's been a hell of a year. (laughs) I can't believe it. So I couldn't let the occasion go by without acknowledging it. Happy anniversary, Jessica. We're very lucky to have you on the team. I feel like I've known you a lot longer than a year. It's like startup time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, feels like three, but it's one. (laughs) I know. So, so happy. And I'm so happy that we've been able to get this podcast off the ground and do it together. It's been a ton of fun. Without further ado, though, I'm very excited to introduce our special guest. I have known Pablo a really long time. We first met on Demand Gen Live. He's been part of that community. We recently did his show, Be the Stage. Everything that you're doing, Pablo, with community building and serving your customers, I think there's just so many fun parallels to everything we talk about here at Talent Destination. So welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I've arrived, right? So I, I feel like everybody always talks about like what the visualization of the arriving is uh, for the Talent Destination. I'm right now in a conference in Orlando. So I feel like I'm in one of those Disney rides where they have that like fake lobby and tell me you've arrived, right? So... I'm super pumped to be here. Thank you, Megan, for inviting me. Jess, it's great to connect with you. I listen to the show religiously, and I'm a big, big fan of what Refined Labs has has done. And, you know, my whole tie into community, I've been on this journey since my, uh, my brother passed away eight years ago, and 1,200 people showed up to his funeral. And at that moment, I had this, like, out-of-body experience that it doesn't matter how I felt since my teenage years about organized religion or the Catholic church or anything like that, I was never going to leave this group of people because it's my community and nothing could be more valuable to me than this right now. And as I started really thinking deeply on that, it became a, oh, this is a churn issue. I'm not going to churn out as a client because of the value that's been aggregated to me here. And as I started really like conceptualizing the future and thinking that supply and demand is becoming commoditized and and we might be talking about I might have just said Orlando talent destination I'm going to get some kind of like ad on my phone in an hour of like a ride in Orlando that I'm going to go to I think the same thing is going to happen with products and and opportunities right like I see a future where I'm talking to my friend about how my boss said something that's that rubbed me funny and in an hour I'm going to get an ad for like every job for my position that fits my requirement and do I want to go to it or not. And for that reason, I just don't think that there's anything more, more important than 
building a community, whether it is for a client acquisition to battle digital giants that are going to be able to outspend you on everything, or talent acquisition to become a talent destination, to build a community. Because if you think about it from a community level, like if somebody buys a Harley Davidson, they can't go buy like a Honda motorcycle three years later because they're going to lose all their friends. And it's a lot harder to change products or change companies than to change friends, right? So I'm really into this topic because I, I arrived at it from a community as a client acquisition and like business advantage tool. And the further and deeper I get into it, the more I've realized that the community that you can build with your clientele really starts with the community that you can build internally because there's nothing more powerful than what people experience with Refine Labs. And it's every time I interact with anybody from Refine Labs, it's a wonderful experience and I'm very impressed by them. And they're super pumped to be there. And and from leadership on down, it's all really, really obvious. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share the stage with the two of you and thanks for having me. No, and thank you for sharing about your brother. That's incredible to have that type of turnout. And as you were sharing that story, it was reminding me of the sort of the Covey seven habits of highly effective people. There's that second habit, begin with the end in mind, right? And like, clearly your brother lived a life of impact to have that many people show up and want to celebrate his life and pay their respects, right? And at the end of the day, why are we all doing what we're doing? It's for me, it's to have a positive impact. It's so that I have 1,200 people showing up at my funeral, right? Saying that I was kind and funny and cool to hang out with and fun and all of the things, you know? And so I think that really highlights a really important component of how much like heart and care and sort of integrity and kindness that is really, really wrapped up into this. I want to sort of put out like a statement and I want you both to react to it. The more I've been thinking about bringing you on and have been thinking about community building, like a talent destination is a community. Absolutely. What does that make you think? Jessica, what do you think? I think uh, the first word that comes to mind is a sense of belonging. So I feel like one of the things that we have tried to cultivate at Refine Labs is a sense of belonging. You belong here, no matter who you are, where you came from, what your skill set is, you have a degree, you don't have a degree you belong here. And so that is essentially a community because if you belong here, then we're going to take care of you. We're going to support you. We're going to upskill you. We're going to do whatever we can for you. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Pablo, what do you got? Oh man, I got so much. I really believe that people are happiest when they're in service. And a community, a well-functioning community is a group of people that know the value of the other person in that community and are able to connect it with service, with putting that the value that they have to offer to work for the greater good of the community. If when you combine those two things and you are building a talent destination, somewhere that people want to work, want to go to, that is the problem that you have to solve for. You have to put people in the right seat of the right bus for them. And if you do that, and you do that repeatedly, then the word of mouth effect and the positive externalities that come from it create a talent destination. I love your point on people are happiest when they are in service. And I agree with that, but I think that there are also some prerequisites. I think that if someone is being of service to others, but there are fundamental needs that they have that are being unmet, they will not be happy, right? And so when I talk about that, when I think about those foundational 
needs, it's things like psychological safety. It's things like values alignment. It's things like a shared purpose and vision and mission that like, I believe what we're trying to do here. And I feel a part of our vision and our mission and what we are trying to achieve, right? I can show up as my true self. I don't have to put on a mask because I can be who I am and I'm accepted for who I am, right? I can make mistakes and I am not shamed for making mistakes, right? I am celebrated because I have created a learning opportunity. And so I love that statement, but I would add that into the mix that if those elements also do not exist, that it's part of the whole equation. I agree. I think when we start talking about happiness and fulfillment, we are a rung or two up on Maslow's hierarchy, right? So in order to get there, you need to find safety and you need to find shelter and you need to find, right? Like, and you need to be able to be nourished and your bucket needs to be filled before you can start achieving that, right? So I completely agree. That's why I echo so much with your your recipe for a talent destination to me is essentially an exercise in filling up the steps on Maslow's hierarchy of needs in order to make sure that it's not just the CEO founder that gets to have all the fun and gets to feel self-actualized, right? It's making sure that every member of the team is experiencing that self-actualization where they're able to pursue self-actualization because everything else is fulfilled. Absolutely. Community building is a, is a hot topic right now. We have our ingredients that make up a talent destination. What is your perspective on like the building blocks of community? Frankly, everyone and their mother tries to like is trying to make a community right now, right? It's all over the place. But what separates like a great community from a not great community? I'd love I'd love to get your perspective on this because you have a ton of of experience and expertise in this area. Yeah, I love I love that question. Thanks for asking that. First of all, I want I just want to acknowledge what you said. It's this is like the second time in my life when I've started a business that was ahead of what the conversation was. And then finally they catch up to the conversation and it's awesome. Right? Like in 2009, I started a green building consulting company. And, you know, we were talking about like, I had to talk about energy efficiency and all these different things. And then like five years later, people are like, oh, green, that's where we're at now. So I'm having this like really cool experience of reliving that pattern recognition and understanding that now, whereas I used to talk about community because of the all the benefits that you could create on the way there, now the actual thing that people want is community. And it's great to be able to go back to these basics. A community, much like a company, right, is people that have a common goal in mind. That is number one, be it the perseverance and you know, safety of the members involved, or if you're a company, it is, you know, this problem that you're trying to solve, or if you're a nonprofit group is this cause that you're supporting, right? So people have to have this like common shared goal in mind. Then there's also the, the goal is like the destination that you're trying to arrive to. And then there's the core values that are the rules of the game that people all agree to play by, right? So, and I think that that's the very, at the very basics, that is something that overlaps one-to-one -one community and successful company slash corporate culture. Other things that you find a lot in community are rituals, right? So there needs to be some kind of thing where everybody comes together like, oh yeah, this is what we all believe, right? Like I go back to the example of, of the church as kind of my first data point in, oh, this is a business model, <laughs> right? And there's rituals, there is common language that people all agree to. And then finally, Normally, there is 
some kind of a stage. There is some kind of stage where the ritual happens around and the ability to be recognized for your value and the things that you have to offer the rest of the community, kind of like the ultimate goal, not the ultimate goal, but one of the big achievements that's this feedback loop is do you get onto that stage to share it with others, right? There has to be some kind of way to provide a scale that allows that unique value that you have to offer your neighbor, you the opportunity to offer it to your neighborhood. So a stage is one version of that. I think content, right? Like the way that Demand Gen Live is is operated, that to me is a beautiful foundation of a, of a stage and a community because it has all those elements, right? Like you have that repetitive nature where people gather around, they all tend to agree on the mission that's being served, the rules by which it's being played, how it should be played. And then because that happens, people start chiming in and now they start being recognized by you as like, oh, one of my favorite members of the community, David. And people are able to like in the, in the chat, add their value, chime in. And there's multiple kind of levels of that in all communities. There's, I grew up in Miami, right? Like I grew up Johnny nightclub promoter in Miami beach in the nineties. So like, I think of how many different velvet ropes you create to the center of that stage as these like concentric circles around the epicenter of the community and like how close you get to providing your value one-to-one to providing your value one-to-few to providing your value one-to-many. So mission, core values as like destination and rules to play by. And then there's there's that that stage where there's some kind of ritual where people tend to get together and re-agree and re, you know, like buy into the promise, share value with each other and develop a common language and common traditions. To me, that's the, the essence. Of it. I have to tell you a funny story really quick about common language. So when I first started here, speaking of my one year, the first two weeks here, I was in so many meetings where I did not know what people were saying. And so I made my own glossary of like, what does this actually mean? And so in the evenings, I would like write down all these words and I would go Google them because what is an MQL? Yes, I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> what is dark social? Like all of these things. I'm like Googling, what does that mean? So yeah, the shared language. And so now I have a, like the people team has a document. We send out to new hires with all the words you're going to hear here that most people don't know what they mean. <laughs> oh yeah, that is so true. I have another statement I want to make that I want you both to react to. Jessica, I'll have you go first. And so... And I think you'll remember this because this question came up at our April offsite in San Diego. Someone asked, we had, had kind of like an executive team Q&A, a member of our team uh, raised their hand and asked, how are you thinking about how the culture is going to evolve as we get bigger? Because there's always a concern that as we get bigger, things are going to change. And the way that I answered that question and the point that I wanted to make was, and I think that this applies to community as well. I do believe that culture and sort of that that community feel, it does start from the top, right? But there is a role that the leader and the member play to foster and nurture and create culture, both at a company and a community, right? There is roles, there's obligations, there's rituals. And so I, I think the leader has a they have a burden and an obligation to set the tone, to set the values, to evangelize the message, to be very clear about the behavior that will and will not be tolerated. But it doesn't absolve the member, right? The team member, the community member of having an equally important role in shaping the culture, right? Everyone has to participate. And so I the message I really wanted to get across was 
like, of course, I'm, I'm not absolving responsibility as the leader. And, and there's a huge role that myself or Chris play like at Refine Labs, for example. But I wanted to really empower everyone at the company to understand that they have a role that they can play as well. And so what do you both think about that? Yeah, so I actually do. I definitely remember this moment because I've now been quoting that back to people. I'm like, in the words of Megan, <laughs> everybody has a role in this. But I think this plays a great part when I think about my role. So as VP of people, I think sometimes you're in certain organizations, it's that like if you're the people person, quote unquote, you're leading the way when it comes to culture, when it comes to DEI. And I think that those two things are great. Like I am happy to lead the way, but I cannot make the culture. I cannot make us do DEI. So I think it has to be to your point, everyone plays a part in what's going on. So obviously I can say this is what we want to do for our culture. These are our core values, but if people aren't living them and if we're not holding people accountable for them, my role is obsolete. I feel the same way about DEI. I can talk about DEI all day, but other people have to buy into the same concept. So I 1000% agree. And I think when we, a lot of times as employees, they like absolve themselves like, oh, that's, you know, when it comes to DEI, that's Jessica's job. No, 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 no. I'm doing what I can. I'm setting policies and procedures, but we all have to be a part of it. Yeah, Jess, you bring up a good, a great, I guess it's an archetype, right? It's the servant leader, right? That leads by example. And I think that that's really integral to to community, right? It's it's. I don't think a dictatorship really creates a community as much as somebody that is really trying to put people in positions to like, to serve and to win and to feel good about themselves. There's a really interesting graphic I saw one time that's like difference between audience and community. And it's like audience is leader, all the chairs facing them. Community is chairs all facing each other with a leader in the middle, right? So to me, it's that, right? It's what you're saying, Megan. It's the idea that something can become a top-down organization real quickly when it just becomes my way or the highway, unless what you are doing is putting people in a seat where they feel like they are putting their superpower to work, right? Like they are truly serving from the thing that they believe that they have to add. And that service, that influence, right? I talked about the whole kind of like cool club rings of like getting up to the stage. It doesn't mean that somebody from the team that's brand new, no matter how big the company is, it doesn't mean that they're going to lead the company offsite or they're not going to be, you know, giving the quarterly numbers or something like that. But they have to believe that something that they said or something that they believe or something that they're going to work on is going to make it to that stage, is going to make it into that report communicated by the leader, right? Like being sharing that stage doesn't necessarily mean bringing somebody on. It's somebody feeling represented on that stage, either from their persona and who they are, right? Like somebody that looks like them or somebody that thinks like them or talking about something that they actually did, I believe is is the way that you keep that culture that of community even as you scale is that that belief that even the person that is new or is really junior something that they did can make it to that to that stage yeah i love that and i think the last point that i would add is i think a lot of people feel that if they're not officially in some type of leadership role or have some big title that they are unable to be a leader and i think one thing that I've always believed and that I've always lived in my life is like, regardless of my formal or official role, 
Like I know that I have an opportunity to show up and lead in some way, right? And I, so I think one takeaway that I would challenge listeners to think about is how are you showing up and being a leader in your community, right? In your company, in your actual physical community where you live, in other virtual or physical community groups that you're a part of and how, like, what are you doing? And like some of the tactics that I've personally employed that have served me well is leading by example, right? Like behave in the way that represents the values of the community that you have, right? Be the one to go first, be the one to take the first step, you know, to throw paint on the canvas, that paint is going to get covered up by everyone else's paint, but like you initiated that, right? And you got something going. And so I I think it can be very empowering when you look at it that way. And it doesn't matter your title or where you are in your life or what you're doing. Like be the one to go first, be proactive. And so for me, that's the way I've always lived. And it's it served me really well. And I wanted that to be one takeaway that I was able to sort of communicate and, and get across. So one of the things that I think is so important is there are influencers. I call them influencers. Every community, every company has these people that are influencers. Doesn't matter their title. They are the people that other people listen to. And so one of the first things I did when I joined Refine Labs was talk to everyone. And I wanted to know who are the influencers here? Who do I need to get their buy-in? Because people will listen to them. And the titles didn't matter. Most of these people were not actually in leadership roles. They had just been here from the beginning. And so I think that's important to what both of you have said about like the titles don't matter, but also those are the people that get the word out. So I actually, one of my techniques is like talking to those people when we're about to roll out something, I will go to them first because I know after I announce it to the company, they are who everyone's going to go to. So I already need their buy-in. So think about who are those influencers. Doesn't matter their title. That's who you need to be talking to. I call them cultural ambassadors. Yes. Same definition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Megan, you said that you talked about the cultural ambassadors, these influencers on my show. And I, and I thought it was really brilliant. Yeah. Listen, I think that there's nothing more. I normally say this from a client acquisition standpoint when I say that there's nothing more powerful than two of your super consumers having a conversation about how valuable you are in front of somebody that's thinking about doing business with you. And that's just human dynamics, right? So this idea of getting the buying of the crowd, right? Like not, not trying to be Superman, but, but creating your Avengers and then creating these opportunities where the Avengers have buy-in and you trust that they're going to be having conversations amongst themselves about how, how much they're into it, that is a super, super scalable way of persuading, <laughs> right? And, you know, if you're building a community, you're persuading for the good of the mission and the good of, like, the problem that everybody's trying to solve. I think it's brilliant. So this is where I want to go next, because I think a lot of times when I talk about this stuff with other leaders, reactions I'll often get, you know, psychological safety, community, whatever it happens to be. That's all nice in theory. But like, what about the bottom line? Are we actually making money here? What's going on? Right. And so one, like my personal mission with everything that I do to contribute to the Refine Lab story is to show the world that you can invest and focus on all of these things and still drive incredible business outcomes, right? That they are not mutually exclusive. And in fact, I sort of assert that if you do this correctly, it actually compounds and accelerates the business impact that you can provide. You're, I know you believe the same thing, Pablo. It's what your business is. And so let's talk a little bit about like how people can think about leveraging community 
for, and there's so many things, talent acquisition, customer acquisition, revenue, right? But let's get into this because my goal is that we can inspire many other business leaders and company builders to build talent destinations, right? And to invest in this type of stuff and see the clear connection between this and positive business outcomes. Hell yeah. My favorite stuff that you talk about is like, you can't do this unless you're making money. I 100% agree. Like you don't, you don't get to solve problems unless you have the resources to solve the problems. So I completely agree with you. To me, it comes down to a very basic concept. People and relationships are the atomic unit of business. However much you can link together relationships and positive experiences for people is directly correlated to the amount of impact, money, whatever you're doing, you can create. So for me, it's what you just described. It's a compounding asset in this and particularly with the tailwinds of what this world is, right? Like we are going from this power over world to a power with world. Because of the free dissemination of information, you cannot win by being a jerk. And if you are winning being a jerk, it's gonna last for yay long. Whereas the more that you are winning by empowering people around you and by providing a good experience for the person that works for you and whenever they experience you to move up, to like leave more energized than when they found you or your client for when they come and interact with your company and do they feel better or worse than before they talked with you or your team, right? Like it is just one function of combining all that stuff together. That is what builds an enduring business. You grew up in Southern California, right? Like you can't go to an in and out without walking away. Like what are, these people are the happiest people in my life selling me burgers. Like it, it makes you want to eat a burger, right? Like, and to me, that is, that's the telltale sign of a business that is going to continue to grow. I think Lockhead said it recently in a tweet. He said, you know, we got it wrong. It's not product-led growth anymore. It's word-of-mouth-led growth, right? So in this world where we have a dark funnel, right, and we have all these different ways to communicate, you really need to go to the number one basic thing that helps you grow a business and that's word of mouth. And you are really, really able to empower that and move that forward like never before. So whether it is the word of mouth of, oh my God, I love working here. So I'm going to go tell the smartest person I know to come work here or, oh my God, I love doing business with this company because every single time that I do that, that I pick up a phone, I talk to someone that's brilliant. So I'm going to tell my friends or this place lets such great results for me that I'm gonna go brag to everybody about these great results I'm getting. That to me is at the core function of how you build an enduring business. Like you're never gonna accelerate beyond a very basic cost of client acquisition ad spend to lifetime value if you're not able to inject this word of mouth led growth that only happens when people are happy to talk about you, right? So I think that's where the revenue comes from. Well said, Pablo. What do you got, Jessica? I definitely, everything you said, Pablo, was spot on. And I think whenever I hear people say like, oh, we don't have time for this or psychological safety this or this is, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, so do you need those employees? Because I'm pretty sure you need them, right? Like, who's going to do the job? Like, and I don't think people like just really truly understand the impact of turnover and replacing someone and how much time and money it takes to get them back up to speed. And so I just think whenever I hear that, I just think you're really missing the, like people are just missing the point of you need psychological safety because 
then people will speak up and you need that for innovation. And if you have a lack of innovation, then you're going to stall. So I, I just don't think people really think it all the way through when they're like, oh, we don't need that. And the days of just like people come to work and they're going to do what you say, that's over. That's never coming back. This day and age, like everybody has a microphone, as we know. And if they're not happy, they're going to talk about it. And employer branding is so, um, it's an amazing thing, but it's very fickle. And one thing, you know, people take one thing and run with it. So you just have to be so mindful. And I think a lot of companies aren't even thinking about employer branding. And if that's the case, if you're listening right now and you're not thinking about employer branding, just go ahead and stop the conversation right now and Google employer branding. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, okay, just stop. Okay, we're we're too advanced for you. Just stop and Google right now. But I just think it, people have to think about the bigger picture. Or you can check out our past episode on employer branding. Absolutely. Put it in the show notes. Okay, so I want to go around and we'll start with you, Pablo. I want to go around and do some closing thoughts on this topic. What What did you want to say today that you didn't get to say? Because now is your chance. So our parting words, our closing thoughts, Pablo. First of all, if you've listened to this podcast more than once and, and you see how good it is, the work that Jess and Megan are doing and, and Bree behind the scenes, like the preparation is robust. So the least that you can do if you've been hanging out with us right now is like go to the podcast app, give it like a five-star review. That's super easy to do. Share it with a friend. So go do that. And then the thing that I really want to hit on that I like, and Jess, maybe you can help me with this because I, I struggle with how to say this in, a, in the most inclusionary way possible. But it's the idea that it's, it's so much more valuable to try to be a kingmaker than to try to be a king. And if you're just trying to be king, all you're gonna do is be competing with everybody that's trying to be great. If you are trying to show up as a kingmaker, then everybody that wants to be king wants to be your friend. And I don't know how to do that in a gender neutral way because I know that queen maker is like a medieval terrible term. Well, no, there's a new movie coming out where it's the woman king. So just saying. <laughs> Perfect. But when it comes to talent destination, I talk to people, right? Like we are content strategists. And when we're talking to companies about their content, they're like, yeah, but I don't really want my VP of marketing doing this because then they're going to get really famous and they're going to leave me. And I'm just like, great. The moment that somebody uses your company as a launching pad to achieve their dreams, guess what happens? Everybody else that's working on some big stuff is gonna wanna come work for you. And there is nothing more valuable than a talent pipeline of that level, right? So this idea of sharing the stage with people, right? And, and focusing on, on, on making the people around you look great as opposed to you trying to look great. It was the biggest unlock that happened to me in my life. And I, I feel obliged to share that on here as we're talking about community and we're talking about talent destinations, your role as a leader is to make the person in front of you feel like the most valued person in that community at all times, whether it's as as the talent in your company or you know your client or whatever you're doing, because that stuff is what is going to propel you to attract the best people into your life and to do the best work of your life. You know, I've heard of Kingmaker before, but I just had to Google it. It's gonna be good. <laughs> and I was like, am I a Kingmaker? I think I am. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I'll just put that to the side for a minute. Jessica, closing thoughts? <laughs> You're definitely a key maker, Megan. Um, closing thought. I definitely I agree with everything that has been said today. I think it the sense of community is such a major thing. And obviously when I'm thinking about community, 
I'm personally thinking about it from a people ops standpoint, but also from like a DEI standpoint, because I think there's so much to be said. And a lot of times when we talk about DEI, it's more along the lines of this is something we a goal we need to get to instead of this is how we can make people feel included right now. So right now in your organization, how are you using your sense of community around inclusion and making everyone feel like they belong? So kind of to your earlier point, Megan, where like, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you used to work, you belong here. I think that is such a pivotal statement that so many people, it's a North Star that they're trying to get through to, but they're not there. So even if you start there with your sense of community, like how is that impacting the people that you are working with right now? So right now, do people feel included if they do not fit the minority or majority mindset, whatever that might mean for your company? So community can mean a lot of different things. And also there's, I also believe in like sub-communities. So obviously within Refine Labs, we also have like Refined Minds, we have Refined Black, we have our working parents group. So even think about it like that, like the overall community is one thing, but what are you also doing within the community so that you make people feel like they belong? Yeah, I think all of our closing thoughts have the same theme around how you're making people feel and their sense of belonging. And I think this was one of my personal biggest unlocks as a leader building my first team when I recognized that if I am thoughtful and empathetic about how the other person is experiencing an interaction with me and how I'm going to work with them to drive a particular outcome, that keeping their experience, their feelings at the forefront in how I communicated, what I said, how clear I was, how I invested in getting to know them as a human and what matters to them, those are the things that have really made me the leader that I want to be and an effective leader in driving business outcomes. And it's not all fluffy and, you know, sort of intangible. Like this is, these are emotional intelligence tactics that are key for relationship building and communication that have a huge opportunity to completely change the dynamic. And like, yes, you could bark an order at someone and they could get it done. But if you communicate a goal in a way that makes them excited to do it and push the boundaries versus just following your orders and doing what you say, it makes all the difference. And I think this is an element in community building and in company building that I don't think people pay enough attention to. All right. This was a really fun episode. Thank you for coming, Pablo. We'll have to have you back again in the future. And like we always say, don't just build a company, create a talent destination. destination. And make some kingmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Side effects of listening to this podcast include, but are not limited to, increased employee engagement, retention of high potential employees, and becoming a badass in the people, talent, or operations space. If you're looking for a new role, Refine Labs would love to hear from you. Go to refinelabs.com slash careers for more insight into amazing opportunities at our fully distributed workforce.